Hello, everyone, and welcome to the return episode of Charlie and Jake's Hot Takes. Unfortunately, we've got Jake on the IR for a little bit, but like any good team, we have great depth off the bench. And uh, I've got my great friend Max here. Max, so happy to have you with us. It's a pleasure to be here, Charlie. I'm excited. So uh, today, we're just going to go through some NFL scores, tell you what we think of the action on that happened this past Sunday. And Max, you take a look at the uh, NFC West, and we've got a tie. Seahawks at 9-4, and four, Rams at 9-4. and four. If the playoffs started today, Rams would be in because of that tiebreaker. But I'm wondering, who do you think is more dangerous out of those two? I mean, you know, I'm a big Russell Wilson guy. I think – I mean, I guess right now it's a little bit too far gone, but he was my MVP for the first half of the season. Um, and I think the Seahawks are one of the most dangerous teams, not only in that division, but in the whole league. I think their 9-4 um, and four record doesn't really speak the whole story. Um, I definitely can see that. You know, when you talk about Russell Wilson, I mean, the guy's incredible. You see what he does on a game-to-game basis. He's got great weapons, and he, he, uses, them all, he uses them perfectly. He can throw it anywhere he wants so he can really make any throw on the field. But I am concerned about Seattle in a couple of ways. First, you look at you look at Russell Wilson. One thing that I'm concerned about with him, already 12 picks this year. He's had some costly interceptions. Against the Rams, he threw two. So obviously with the way he plays, you're going to have some interceptions. That's a given. That's not a big deal, except if you factor in, we don't know a ton about this Seattle defense. They've improved for sure. The beginning of the season was a mess, but they're still a defense that really struggles in pass coverage. Their pass rush is getting better, but it's still not there. Jamal Adams has not been what he's been, what he's, what he was billed as. He has not been a savior to that defense. So I'm a little worried that come playoff time, they're going to really have a tough time making stops. I mean, yeah, they're no Legion of Boom, Charlie. But um, I think another key to the Seattle, the Seattle team is, you know, getting the run going. You know, I think last game they got the run going versus, I'm, I get it, it's the Jets. You're going to get anything going against the Jets. 76 yards from Chris Carson. But um, if they can get this run game going and, you know, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, you know, gets his receivers a little bit more open, gets a little bit more time in the pocket, they move the ball down the field, give that defense a little bit more rest, I think it could be a huge factor for strengthening this defense. I have a question for you, though, Charlie. Let's hear it. On the other side of this opposition, we got the Rams, and I want to hear what you think about them. So for the Rams, I'm honestly, I'm a huge fan because I like the style of ball that they play. So first of all, this week, you see what they did to the Patriots. I mean, yeah, Seahawks beat the Jets 4-3. The Rams beat the Patriots 24-3 in a game that was really never close. I mean, I know uh, obviously this year's Patriots were not the same. They're not the same team. You have different pieces, obviously no Brady, a lot less talent overall, but it's really hard to beat a Bill Belichick coach team for 60 minutes. It's really hard to just dominate through all facets of the game. And that's what they did. And another thing that I love about this Rams team is that it's just the defense. I mean, you got Aaron Donald, best defensive lineman in the league. And Jalen Ramsey, he had a rough little go of it in, when he was traded from Jacksonville to uh, L.A. last year. But this year, he has been incredible. You, put, you can put him against anybody's lockdown. We saw that in the game that these two teams played. 
he's just shut down. So I'm, I'm really in love with this defense, and I think that what balances this team is that they're starting to get an identity with the run. Cam Akers was awesome last week. 20, I think he had 171 yards. If they can get something like that from him, control the clock, play good defense, this is a team that can make another Super Bowl run. Well, I see what you say there, Charlie. Their defense has been incredible, and this getting the run game going has been huge for them. I think personally that I have too many question marks around Jared Goff. You know, what do you have against the Patriots? He had 137 for a touchdown and a pick. That's, that's, a, that's quite the mediocre game there, Charlie. And I think that if they want a real shot at getting anywhere and making a Super Bowl run, he needs to be reliable enough where he can get into a game and not only just control it, but you want to win in the Super Bowl, you need a quarterback that can deal, and I'm not so sure he's that quarterback right now. Okay, so I definitely think that the golf, the concerns about golf are valid because he does have 11 picks this year. That's my biggest concern for him. Like Wilson is turning the ball over, but obviously he doesn't do what Russell Wilson does, not close to it in terms of creating. But what's going to be big and what I think from his past is that I know Jared Goff can limit turnovers. I've seen him do it before. So I think that if he can keep that under control, they have a game plan. I think that this team is not made up of the quarterback. I mean, if you look at what they what they do, it's a lot of play action. It's a lot of letting go. You don't see golf throwing it 30, 40 yards down the field very often because they rely on their play mark, playmakers. They have guys on the outside. I mean, Cooper Cup is a great receiver. Robert Woods, that's, that's a two-headed duo that just never gets talked about, I feel like, and guys that need recognition because they're yeah. awesome. And I just think – if golf can golf was called out a couple weeks ago by McVeigh, he had that bad game in San Francisco and he's been limiting turnovers a little bit since. And I think he's, I, I just have a feeling he's going to turn that corner, really limit the interceptions, let Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, get the work in the offensive lines improving. And this defense is hard, is a hard nut to crack. You know what? You seem to be a Rams guy yourself, Charlie. I'm more of a Seahawks guy, but we will definitely see what happens in two weeks. Might have to, you know, Put a little personal wager, Charlie V. Max on that. Maybe some pride on the line, but I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm excited. That's going to be a great game. So um, just to, go, uh, to keep it rolling, we'll look at uh, one notable score from 1 o'clock, and that from the 1 o'clock games, Eastern time, as we are Eastern Coast men. Uh, we had the Chiefs. We had the Chiefs versus the Dolphins, and that game looked like the – Dolphins were on their way to an upset, but Patrick Mahomes said, uh, I don't think so. That one <laughs> that one ended up being 33 to 27 Chiefs. But the real question here is, can you stop what is there to do? What what is the defensive coordinator to do? Charlie, the man talks like Kermit the Frog. He eats way too much ketchup. And he's one of the best quarterbacks this, this league has ever seen. What happened in the first, first quarter of that game? He threw two picks. They go down 7-0 quick. They, they get a big deficit going into halftime or throughout that game. And he throws another pick. They still win the game. He's too good. How do you let a man throw three picks, played arguably his worst game that we've seen in a while, and – they still put up 33 points. Tyree Kill touched the ball four or five times, right? I know he had a rush 
had like three or four receptions for 79, and he's still scoring two touchdowns. It's like it's an embarrassment of riches. It's like the weapons that they have. Like, for example, you look at a guy like McCall Hardman. He had the return touchdown. That guy is, a, is the wide receiver two slash one on a lot of teams in the NFL. People don't realize how deep this team is. You have two of, in my opinion, the top five pass catchers in the league. And then you have a once in a generation, perhaps once in an eternity, quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. There's really not much game planning. And like, and what really happened? Oh, no, Tyreek didn't catch the ball first half. All right, let's go to Travis Kelsey for eight receptions, 136 yards, and a touchdown. We're talking about two-headed monsters before with the Rams. This is the best two-headed monster we have in the league. It's – I mean, Brian Flores said it best when he was uh, getting interviewed before this week, saying how he wished he could have 14 defenders on the field. And Would you be able to stop him then, though? That's the question. If you put, I was thinking about this, and you can answer this for me. Yeah. I think if you get every – like – the best guys at every position. I'm talking Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, Jalen Ramsey at the corners, maybe throwing James Bradbury, most disrespected cornerback in the league. Just putting that out there. Love that, man. If you put all those guys out there and you put them against the Chiefs, I still think the Chiefs get 28. <laughs> like, they're just so hard to stop. That's an interesting question, Charlie. I mean, go around the league. I don't think they're getting faster than Tyreek Hill. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, Mahomes, there's – like like you said, this was probably – besides, I mean, he started one game at the end of the uh, – at the end of his rookie year where nothing really notable happened. Besides yeah. that, this might be his worst game. So, so for your worst game to be 393 yards, two touchdowns, and your offense getting 26 points, obviously they got seven off of special teams, that's absurd. And it's that not like is absurd. It's not like they're rushing the ball heavy either. Their leading rusher on the day was Tyree Kill with one carry for 32 yards and a touchdown. So he's have, he's handling that load. Yeah, it's and there it should be noted there is some concern for me. I mean, I don't think they're if I saw them come back from what the it was originally 10 nothing, and then they got those 30 points, 30 to 10, and then okay they put it to bed. No, they didn't. Dolphins come back, score 17, very close to making it a game. They really needed one stop. They had a lot of momentum. I thought that if they got a stop at the end of the game, they were going to come back and tie that one up. So that's where my concern is. Obviously, Miami's a great team. They're 8-5 and five for a reason. But you look at the Chiefs' schedule this year, and you look at the scores. They have kept teams in games for far too long. They beat the Panthers by two. They beat the Raiders by four and lost to the Raiders once. They had a 27-3 lead on the Buccaneers, or 27-7, and it ended up being a 27-24 game. When you get to the playoffs, when you get to the AFC Championship, can you keep a guy like Josh Allen, let's say? If you keep them in the game and you don't put it away, could they, could they end up really hurting themselves? Yeah, I definitely see your point, Charlie. Um, I see where you're coming from, and... You know, you don't want them to pull Falcons or anything, but I think that their offense is too too high octane. Their defense steps up steps up when they need to, and they haven't blown anything just yet. And I'm not counting them out. 
for me, I mean, it's our job to get up here and, you know, say something bold, say what's wrong, because if we just said the Chiefs are the best team in the league, Pat Mahomes, the greatest QB to ever grace this earth, you know, that wouldn't be us saying much. Other people say that as well. So we definitely have to find problems, but this isn't a problem that I would say I'm overly concerned about. Okay, that's fair. And I can't say that, I mean, right now, I'd say my odds-on favorite to make it out of the AFC is Kansas City, and I don't know, and I'm pretty confident in it, but I will. I do think there's a formula. I think Kansas City's defense, especially against the run, subpar. So if you come in, you have a good running back, but and you just ground and pound, you control the clock, you don't let Mahomes have the ball too much, maybe you can get something. I understand it's going to have to be a high-scoring game. Your running game is going to have to be completely effective. But there are teams in the AFC who can do that. You have the Ravens. You have the Titans who have premier running games. So maybe if they get a team, a game with a team that they don't match up well with, this whole not being able to put teams away and allowing teams to run, run, run all over them sometimes could really end up putting them in the, giving them a loss in the playoffs. The biggest thing is, you know, stopping those big plays from the Chiefs, you know, when all of a sudden they're on their own 30-yard line and then they're up 7 nothing. you know. So I think the biggest part of the formula is, you know, stopping that, you know, Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman going 80 yards, even um, Robinson too. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to beat. So, and I just would say, like, good luck to anybody who tries to stop them. I think keeping them under 30 in a playoff game is almost yeah, undoable. I'm not, with that. I'm not betting on the under, Charlie. But um, two of their two of, two teams that they're considered their top uh, challengers for the AFC crown, the Steelers and the Bills played on Sunday night in Buffalo. Uh, the Steelers took the L 26 to 15, and Max. You know I'm a Steelers guy. Are they broke? Are they broken? Is it over? Charlie, my question to you is, you know, you sat down, for, you probably get in, I've been in your den before, Charlie, your living room. I'm sure you, that's where you watch the games. You get in there with your father. Maybe you make some snacks. You watch the pregame. Some popcorn. We always do the popcorn. You see Juju doing his TikToks on the, on the um, opposing team's logo. What do you think of that, Charlie? So... My thing, I mean, I did want to bring that up. The whole thing with, like, okay, you see them doing it in the locker room, whatever. These guys, you have to remember. How, how much older than they – how much older than they are – how much older are they than us? They're, they're, they're two, three, four years older than us. I have no problem with them having a little fun on social media as long as it's not offensive, not ruffling too many feathers. But – but, but, I you heard Josh Allen before the game saying – they do the effing dancing. We do the effing work. Like, what is that? What is that? What do you think about to, to that? People are starting to take offense to it. So that's where I think it goes too far. I think dancing on the other team's logo, he started doing it in a Dallas game. Steelers had an awful performance against Dallas. I think that was the first game. I got to be checked on that. But I, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I love Juju. I think he's underusing the offense. I think he's a great guy. But – do all the TikToks you want in the locker room. Have fun with the guys. Keep the team chemistry. Because people don't realize, yes, that might be a part of the reason why a team came out fired up last week when they played. But it's also that that team chemistry that's built through, like, fun, stupid activities like a TikTok. Like, 
that's a part of the reason why the Steelers love each other so much. They really have a tight bond, and that's why they were 11 and up. So it's like I don't th- I think he, I think Juju, you've lost two in a row. Another team used it as bulletin board material to come out amped up. Stop with the dancing on the other team's logo. Outside of that, it's a non-issue to me. You're not gonna like what I have to say, Charlie. But you know, I see these two games. I looking at their schedule before when they went 11 and 0. I'm thinking the Steelers are a bit of a fraud, you know. You know, let's see who they really beat. All right, they did pummel the Browns and they had a good win against the Titans. But other than that, you know, I'd be hard pressed to find a great win. Giants, Broncos, Texans, Eagles are all, you know, pretty bottom tier teams. Cowboys, Bengals, Jags. I think that aside from the Bills, I think that the Steelers are a good team. Do I think they're an 11 and 2 team? Do I think they're a Super Bowl team? I like you, Charlie, but I do not think they're a Super Bowl team. And honestly, at this point, I'd have to agree. But just to go into it a little, to, to be the devil's advocate on behalf of the Steelers, even though for some reason they – I don't even know if they deserve it right now. Third game in 12 days. They've gotten messed by the – they've gotten screwed over by other teams' COVID situations twice. First, they were supposed to play – they ended up playing Tennessee week seven or eight, I think it was. But – Originally, they were supposed to play Tennessee in week four and have their bye week middle of the season. That gets flipped because Tennessee has COVID. So you have to remember, Steelers haven't had a bye since September. Then you have the whole debacle with the Ravens game. Supposed to be a Thursday game. Pushes it back a week. Then they have to play Washington on five days rest. Then Buffalo on six days rest. That adds up to three games in 12 days. So that's where I give them the benefit of the doubt. Then you also look at the injuries. The defense wasn't really the problem. Their defense played well, given that the offense didn't do anything. It kept them on the field. But they are bad on defense. They have one middle linebacker. And so that's where I'll say, okay, that, that's excusable. If they ended up losing because of an offensive shootout, I, I would have been fine with the performance. But where I have an issue is the offensive side of the ball. It is miserable right now. At the beginning of the season, it was working because Ben was getting rid of the ball quickly and the receivers were making plays. Right now, Deontay Johnson, who's been Ben's top target, leads the league in drops. Eric Ebron has developed a drop problem. Chase Claypool's kind of disappeared. Juju is not used correctly, and they have no run game. You can't beat premier teams in the AFC without controlling the ball, and right now the Steelers have no offense. I definitely agree. I think that I actually think that Big Ben's been on his game lately this whole season. I think he's come back really strong. If he's not the comeback player of the year, then I don't really know who is, other than maybe, I guess, Cam. But um, Alex Smith. Can't forget about Alex Smith. That's, that's a – yeah, <laughs> Alex Smith, 100%. But point being is I think Big Ben's playing great, and I think that he still is getting rid of the ball fairly quickly. He's not, he has yeah, he definitely still is, but he's just not getting the playmaking. They're not making plays. And that's not anymore. his fault. Deontay Johnson, no. I mean, he was benched in the first quarter of, last, of the other night's game. Yeah, deservedly um, so, too. James Conner is doing nothing. Running game's not doing anything. And it's so bizarre because they are a good pass-blocking team, and then they can't. the offensive line can't seem to block for the runners. And no, and definitely some of the blame goes to Conner. Uh, he really is just – he's already back on the injury report one game back from – a COVID issue. He struggled with that throughout his career. And right now, I think you have eight days. I think not this. I think this game, this week, you have eight days rest until you play Cincinnati. So you have eight days rest and you're playing Cincinnati without Joe Burrow. 
You need to pummel Cincinnati if you're the Steelers. It needs to be a no-mercy type of game where you come out angry and you dominate all four quarters. Then you have Indianapolis. That is the biggest game of your season. That's the game. Obviously, Indianapolis is not at considered a top-tier team by many. But they're a good they're a really good football team. And we saw that this Sunday when they when they beat the Raiders. So I think that's the biggest game of the Steelers season. I'd have to agree to you, Charlie. And you know, on the other side of the ball, I think right now that the Bills are playing, you know, Super Bowl caliber um, football. I mean, honestly, if they weren't in the same division or the same league as Chiefs, they might I'd be I'd be I I, th- I would see them as the favorite is in the NFC, to be honest. What? I could see them as the favorite in the NFC. Definitely. If they were in the NFC. Josh Allen's playing is a high-tier quarterback right now. Stephon Diggs is another top five receiver. And I mean, their defense is swarming. They're a great team to watch. And you know, they got it, they kind of got that, you know, like everything you think about Buffalo. I'm a huge I love the city of Buffalo, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, and it's with a great it, city. With it comes, they have great fans and they have a certain type of grit that I think this team embodies. You know, they talk about the dancing the other day. They don't really get caught up in all of that. They just show up, they put their hard hats on, and, you know, they get to work. And I think that this team, they're a get it done by any means necessary type team. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. And it's that toughness, that toughness really showed in this week's game because. They come out, they were struggling. The Steelers' interior rush was really getting to them. Steelers have a great front seven. Allen was struggling a little bit, a couple of turnovers, and they just stayed the course. And then you have that big play, the pick six right before the end of the half. And after that, it almost felt like, okay, this game's over. Buffalo isn't losing the lead. And then you have Allen who just stayed the course. He didn't start to force throws really. I think he did throw one interception, but that was off a tip. It really wasn't his fault. Yeah. And then he just stayed the course. He knew that Stefan Diggs was eventually going to figure out the secondary and get open. And man, I mean, the Vikings are so lucky they got Justin Jefferson because without that, losing Stefan Diggs would look horrendous because Stefan Diggs, so underappreciated, so good. He had such a bad rap coming into this year and he's completely reversed, completely reversed. I mean, he's one of the best receivers in the league is what it is. And, you know, their passing attack was great. And, you know, they're missing, you know, one of their top options or probably their second option, John Brown, giving them, you know, a one-two combo, not even with Diggs, but in the slot with Cole and John Brown. That's lethal. Can, can we talk about Cole Bleasley for a second? Before we talk about <laughs> his hair is amazing, Charlie. Oh, my God. His hair is amazing, and his plays are dick. He just delivers out of the slot. He's such a reliable pass catcher. And that's a team where, okay, they don't – where I'm concerned about them, what it in terms of now I'm looking at them as the clear number two in the AFC and thinking that they're on a crash course to play Kansas City at some point. I'm a little worried about the lack of run, but I think that because they have such reliable receivers that they can supplement the run. And also, you know, I don't think they're going to have someone go for, you know, like 100, 120 like that, but I think – they can have, like this past game, Zach Moss, who can chip in 50 or 60. Singletary could chip in 40 with some receptions. And, you know, Josh Allen's not afraid to scramble either. He's a big guy. He can gain some yardage. So, well, that definitely, I, I would say, is the weakness of their offense. I, I, don't, I don't look at it necessarily as a weakness, you know? Yeah. I, I feel they can get it done. 
And it's the Allen's ability as a runner is such an underrated part of his game. And just not even as necessarily a runner, but he can extend the play. And this dude can throw like very few in the leap. There were some throws that were incompletions, but he was chased to the sideline and he was throwing, throwing sidearm and getting the ball 30, 40 yards down the field close to on target. Like that's crazy. Yeah. I was watching the game with my butt and, you know, he's fading out of bounds and he actually threw the ball like 40 or 50 yards. And I was just like, like, was that a 50 yard? I don't think he completed it, but I was just like, is that a 50 yard pass? My, my bud was like, no, that, that must be 25 yards. He couldn't believe it. We watched it. It was a 50 yard incompletion. I was like, holy moly. Like this guy, this guy's got Patrick Mahomes type arm. Yeah. He's got an arm. And like you said, this team, that Buffalo toughness, if the defense can, defense was great this week. They've been better. They're still a work in progress. They've regressed a little bit since last year, but they're coming up again. I really think that they're um, coming back to finding that bread and butter, their bread and butter that uh, helped them succeed last year, and they're getting healthy. And that's, that's a tough team to beat. That's certainly a team that nobody wants to play come January and possibly February. Definitely, definitely. So uh, did you catch the game uh, last night? One of the, I would say, one of the most wild Monday night games I think we've had in a long time. I think that, um, I know you remember the uh, Patrick Mahomes-Jared Goff battle in 2018. I think, I think this is the game since I think that game, I think this game took the crown. Just with the oh, theatrics at the end. I think this game was better. I that love it. was like, I mean, was like, I don't know if you remember it, but last year when LSU played Alabama, and it was just like, Two was throwing long bomb, Burrow's throwing long bombs, and every time they threw it, you know, it'd be complete for a touchdown. It was kind of like that, and I love that. But getting back to this past Monday night game, before we even get into it, I just want to say a little prayer for the Cleveland Brown plus three betters. We're thinking about you. You're in our thoughts. and That's the definition of a bad beat. That's the uh, definition of a bad beat, Charlie. Just brutal. And and Jarvis Landry, fantasy owners, because he, we know this is the first week of weekend of fantasy playoffs for a lot of people, and he got credited with that fumble. So that was really massive for our fantasy owners. And I'm sure as well as Jarvis as well. As well as the betters. But, but um as you're on. saying. Um so I I just think is there a game like, obviously, the Browns lost. They would have loved to win. But is there – I don't know if there's a more positive loss than this one. Like, this is a, a learning – There's a, this is the first year that the Browns are contenders. Last year, Freddie Kitchens, when you have a coach that just doesn't know how to handle a team and there was so much meshing to go on, they, that I, they weren't going to be good last year. They had the talent, but they just weren't going to be good. This is their first real year to show that they're contenders, in my opinion. And they've been awesome. They had that huge win against Tennessee last week. And Baker Mayfield is blossoming into an elite quarterback before our eyes. Before our eyes. He's getting rid of his turnover problem, although he had a big one. But he's just looked awesome the past five, six weeks. He has solidified himself as an elite quarterback in my mind. And for me, I think he's going to be an MVP candidate next, next year. Um, the way he's been able to – 
deal in these past couple weeks, past couple weeks, and deal with adversity. You know, coming off of that turnover and coming out when they're down fourteen and battling his way back. You know, I I don't want to say it's because of Odell, but I felt like in the beginning of the season last year, you know, he would try to force the ball to Odell and, you know, always know where he was and eye him down. And I think now he's playing much looser, you know, slinging the ball around the field, not really worrying about who he's throwing to and feeding necessary people. And I think we're starting to see the dividends on that. And he has been playing at an MVP caliber level. Yeah. And what really impressed me, I tweeted this, after that, I tweeted this after that interception, quick plug on Twitter, at Ami Charlie, great content, love tweeting about games. Anyways, um, you know, I tweeted after that interception that he threw, I said, this is a great opportunity for Baker because he, how does he respond from this? And he responded from that by leading two or three touchdown drives where he, it was just mechanical. It was robotic, great throws, working with his running backs, working with his line using using his legs when he needed to tell me that that when he slid into the end zone for that touchdown for his rushing touchdown tell me that wasn't electric that's one of the moments where I was like imagine if this stadium was packed to the brim you could oh you would have heard you would have had it would have been pandemonium in Cleveland and it kind of was with the little crowd that was there most definitely and I mean what about that um two-point conversion dropped in the hands of uh Kareem Hunt caught by Donovan Peoples-Jones. You know, it doesn't get better than that. Yeah, that was a, that was a good call on two points. And, you know, I, I think that definitely both teams have to look at it and say, okay, yes, it was a great game, but both of our defenses got absolutely lit up. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for the Brown side, you know, they are – you know, they're, they're a couple pieces away from being an elite contender in this league, and they all come on this defensive end, you know, being able to make plays when they absolutely need it. I mean, there were times last night, and he, he played a great game. Do not get me wrong. Olivier Vernon played a great game last night. But there were times where he was in that backfield with Lamar, and I get it, it is Lamar Jackson, the hardest man to tackle in the league. But there were times where he could have put that game away yesterday. But – on the flip side, you know, I'm looking at this Ravens team and I'm thinking, at first I thought Lamar needs to get his, Lamar needs to be able to throw. He needs to be able to sit back in that pocket and deal. But last night was the first time, you know, this season that he was really running like himself. And I think, you know, it's no surprise that the outcome was the outcome. You know, it, it opened up everything for Lamar. Yeah. I mean, Lamar might, he's playing as like he was playing last year. I mean, he had a he had a really solid underrated game against the Cowboys defense that is obviously suspect. But, you know, sometimes it's like basketball, seeing the shot go in, seeing a couple free throws go down, and then you get hot. Just having a good game against a team that you should have a good game against, that gives you a little confidence, and now you're firing on all cylinders. And listen, I know Lam- I don't think Lamar Jackson is a top QB. I don't think he's a top five QB. But – I think that he can be on that six, seven range and win you games because like that fourth down, for example, when he comes back from his cramp, um, when he, years yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. I, you know, no hate. He threw the touchdown, but anyways. I had to think of a meal before the game, <laughs> maybe during <laughs> halftime. 
Anyways, Lamar, he just comes in fourth and six, and you think he's going to just find the edge, and then he throws an absolute dime to Hollywood Brown. I know Hollywood Brown was open, but first of all, to trust Hollywood Brown, who had had three drops in the game, has been complaining throughout the season. To have that trust in a guy who's pretty erratic, that kind of just shows the leader and the type of guy that Lamar Jackson is. And just the play itself shows who Lamar is. He's such a threat, but he still has an arm. He misses some throws, but if he can make his mistakes on earlier downs and if he can keep some exceptional plays in his back pocket for those big situations, combine that with this running game, Ravens rush for over 200 yards, that's a team you don't want to play come January. Definitely. But this was also one of the first games – <clears throat> in this um, 2020 NFL season where I didn't think that the NFL had Lamar Jackson figured out. This was one of the first games where we really saw him, you know, shine as a runner and be that MVP that we saw last year. I mean, he, what do you have? He had 124 on nine carries. Come on. That's, that's absurd. That's ridiculous. And that's the type of thing that makes the passing game easier for him. You know, he's going to have um, – you know, a contain on him, so he's gonna have, but he's gonna have his pocket, and he'll probably have you know a couple spies on him, so his receivers are gonna end up you know getting open more, and him rushing the ball like this um, is gonna open up everything for him. He's gonna find more lanes, he's gonna find more receivers open, even next week and the week after, and I see this as a total win for the Ravens, who are picking up some nice momentum going into the postseason. Yeah, just one more thing on Lamar. Uh, I just feel like one of the reasons it might have seemed like teams figure him out is because of a less aggressive running style where I think this is from a coaching standpoint, having him go out of bounds a little bit more, having him slide a little bit early. He was not doing that. He was going for it. And, you know, there is calculated risk there. One hit and everything could be could be done for Lamar, unfortunately. That's the nature of being a quarterback in today's NFL. But the same thing can happen when you're standing in the pocket. So I think you got to let Lamar play his game. you got to let, let him run for as many yards as he can possibly get, take some calculated risks, hope that he can make the throws. And if he's making, those th- if he's making a, a couple of really nice – a few really nice throws a game and they can run the ball like they are, like they've been doing it because Dobbins and Edwards are really developing well along with the offensive line. This is a hard team to stop. Most definitely. I mean, early on in the season, I felt like the loss of, not the loss of Mark Ingram, they still have Mark Ingram, but he was playing great last year. He, you know, him and Lamar were 100 yards per game threats every game. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it's been this season. But last night, I think the running backs picking it up for themselves, picking up their slack was huge for Lamar. And I think that was a huge reason of why he played one of his best games in a while. But um, go on. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just to sum it up, the AFC North is a division. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, Bengals, we know what they are. They're on the come up though. Joe Burrow's a great player. But those other three teams, every time they play, it's a dog fight. And I don't this is, you know, the uh, NFC East. <laughs> NFC East has been, has been percolating a little bit. But uh, I, I, I think the That's AFC the North. North the Giants are the winner of the Seahawks. I think the, I think the, um, 
the AFC North has them beat for now. And uh, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back. We're just going to be pushing out content. And uh, we hope you guys enjoyed. Definitely. Thanks for having me, Charlie.